up, everybody? Welcome back to the Football Card Comp Kings, where we're comping players. We're comping different cards. Today, guys, we've got a, a special little episode for you guys because uh, last week we really dived into the topic of FOMO. And, of course, before we dive into uh, the analysis and the parameters around the the criteria that make up FOMO and then also go into some long and short-term plays like kind of FOMO hunting. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host as always, Sean from Raven invest. You can find him at Raven invest on YouTube. Sean, are you feeling the FOMO today? Um, No, I try not to feel FOMO, but I want to, you know, (laughs) I mean, we all do at some point, I guess, right. We've all, we've all have those, those stories there that, you know, it's because we're all chasing that, uh, as you said, and I think in your last video, that Patrick Mahomes that buy the card for 10 bucks and it's worth thousands of dollars a couple of years later. You know, we're all chasing that uh, that big thing. You just got to be smart about it. You can't uh, you can't let emotion get into the to the equation. Got to think with your head. But we all but do it. it. I, I'm guilty. That... I've bought some stuff that, you know, that I wish I hadn't that, you know, but anyway. that you wish you had yeah it happens you know like we all you know i've been guilty of it myself you know i got bit by the fomo bug a couple times last year and it was because i didn't fully understand all of uh the criteria that goes into like a a good fomo feeling versus a impulsive fomo feeling so Mm -hmm. we want to talk about the difference between whether or not yeah you are going to miss out on this guy and you should get in or is this an impulsive type of FOMO and you should not be targeting this guy. Mm -hmm. But uh, first, Sean, I want you to kind of explain to us uh, how, how, how it makes you feel like what, what does FOMO mean to you? Well, I mean, really, I mean, if you look at it, it's, it's an actual sales technique, right? Like fear of loss is a technique that's taught to salespeople to drive it home to somebody to you know if you don't get it now you're gonna miss out you know yeah i can call you back or you can come back or you can talk to your spouse or you can think about it but we may not have it when you come back it's a so it's it's a it's a real thing and it's a a thing that can be amplified um because people want to get that as i said want to get that pat mahomes they want to get that guy that you know was seven to ten dollars and turns out to be thousands he's the next you know tom brady everybody wants that right we're all chasing that we just um got to be smarter as i said we gotta we gotta use the analysis that we we talk about on the show to take out those false uh you know profits as i don't know what else to call them but you know You're looking right. at just as many uh, listings and sold transactions on a weekly basis as <laughs> I am. Do you think that FOMO drives prices higher, faster than actual performance and merit on the field? Or do um, they go hand in hand? Sometimes they do. I, I would say that's probably more true for quarterbacks. Um, the FOMO for the quarterbacks is is significantly higher than the skill position uh players that i've seen now not that it doesn't exist for the skill position players it's there for sure but the quarterbacks are you know and the quarterbacks drive the hobby for for football cards so it's it's no surprise that their fomo is is experienced but right um again it, it all comes back to that everybody wants that 
big flip, you know, everybody wants that next star. And they're all, they're going to change. The problem is that people don't do their research enough and get into that star before they have a big game or they, you know, everybody knows about them. You know, like I flipped some Mike White cards. I, I you know, I, I bought some base stuff, you know, the, the general stuff that I buy, you know, a couple bucks here, five bucks, whatever the case may be. And, but I bought it in August. I didn't buy it when he, I, I found out that he was starting, you know, I bought it in August and it just sat there. There's a chance that he would never play and I would never sell those cards. Absolutely. But that's the risk you take with this. And it's a speculation with any player like that. Any, any player that's not set in stone hall of famer is, is, is all going to be speculation. And, you know, as a, as an investment, um, you, as an investor, sorry, um, you need to do your due diligence in your research and try and pick out the guys that are not, you know, gonna run off a cliff. You know, they have one big spike and then they're done. You know, we don't want those guys. We want guys that are gonna come in and play well and they're at, they're good athletes and they're in good situations, you know. Um, and a lot of these speculation guys are right up my alley because of my budget right like most most guys that haven't peaked or haven't broken out yet are are relatively cheap compared to the guys that are more uh well known or um been in the league longer potential hall of famers you know things like that so everybody's looking for that that player at that that cheap price before they break out but there's also people that are trying to get on that train after they break out and that's where you get the issues where people are paying way way too much for cards that are never going to hit that height again unless the guy wins a super bowl or you know like it's yeah. a it's an even long like long shot like some of the guys that i have in my inventory are probably not going to break out like i wanted them to and that's you know fine um you, you hit some you miss some that's the, the way it works kind of thing but they were all purchased six months ago prior when nobody's even thinking about them when nobody's talking about them when there's no fomo involved people are actually trying to dump them maybe get rid of them a little cheaper mm -hmm. you know that's if you're buying cards after the breakout it's a, it's a risk it's a it's it's i think it's even more of a risk because you're going to have that breakout price built in you're going to have people with fomo going after it and it's just going to drive the price up to a point where you can't make any profit on it. You know, like it, it's going to be a, a really hard to, you know, like some of those big Jordan cards that sold six months ago, eight months ago, or whatever it is, they're, they're, they're going to have trouble, you know, over time that will, those Jordans will creep up again, but they're not going to hit some of the prices that some of those auctions went for. You know? Yeah, and that's a problem with getting caught up in a chart <laughs> and, and letting a chart tell you when to buy because mm -hmm. it doesn't take into all these real real world factors. And it seems like specifically related to football, it mm -hmm. seems that the FOMO is very sensitive to quarterbacks. And Absolutely, yeah. It also seems that age is not as big of a factor either. Like, so for example, we saw it happen with um, Sam Darnold and Mike White earlier in the seasons. Uh, Mike White mm -hmm. was almost probably the biggest example of, of a huge spike in FOMO around his rookie cards 
for literally one week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, he, he played one, one good game and you know, because nobody had any built in expectations for him when, when you're expected to play poorly and you come in and light it up, people are going to jump on it. People are that, you know, that's what the problem is. You got to make sure that he's going to follow it up with similar performances. Yeah, that he's right? the real if, deal. If he has one one performance like that and drives the prices up on the cards, if you buy in at that point and he doesn't continue to play well in Ascend, you're going to lose money. I mean, it's, it's you know, like jumping on a play. You, you either have to be, you, you have to be early. I mean, you can't, you got to yeah. take, it's it's more risk, right? Like to, to, to buy in early. Because you have to, there's something that has to happen to make that card jump, but you're not invested in compared to if he's made a little bit of a jump and then you buy in, you're, you're going to be in way worse position than, than you were, unless you're sure about the guy. If you're, if you're, you know, sure that he's going to be a superstar and has a chance for a hall of fame, then, then go nuts. You know what I mean? But yeah. If, if you're only targeting the guy because he's starting the next week or you know what I mean? And that's fine to do. Just don't pay. You, you, you got to pay a cheap price on the card. You can't, you can't pay overpay for what, what's expected. You know, you like got to comp for, that out. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You can't pay for what his expected performance is going to be in the future, which is, what a lot of people do with the, the FOMO, right? They're expecting to, he had one game where he threw 400 yards and three touchdowns and, you know, that's his first game he's ever started in the NFL and people want him to think he's, you know, most, most smart investors are not going to touch that. You know, what they're going to do is they're going to buy it earlier. You know, like, I mean, uh, and I hate to say that, that but, there, there's a chance that you can still get on players after they broke out for a reasonable price to profit on them. Absolutely. It's just riskier after that performance. You need to do your homework. You need to figure out, okay, this, this guy is a great athlete. He's got a, a good position coach. He's got uh, veterans to help him learn. He just needs a chance. He just needs some reps. He needs to coach up a little bit. You know, like th those guys are, are, you know, again, they're still hit and miss. Obviously, I'm not saying that's a, a, a lock kind of thing, mm -hmm. but you know that the talent's there. They're just being held back for depth chart reasons, or they just, you know, they need a little bit of work, or they're on the wrong team. Like there's there's a, a ton of people, and I um, that are given up on Denzel Mims. Mm. Now, I'm not rushing out to buy Denzel Mims because there's no rush to buy out. Like. There's no demand on him to buy out, so I can I can be patient with him. I I personally think that he's on the wrong team, um, the wrong uh, play structure. Like he's a he's just like a, a jet. Like he's a, a go straight faster than the other guy. Kind of he's not a precise route runner. He's not you know what I mean. Like he's not um, guys where you need to stop on a dime and turn at ten yards and it's got to be perfect in it. You know like he's not that guy. He's a burner kind of and the offense that the Jets run is not toss the ball down the field. And I'm not sure if any, they have a quarterback that can really toss it down the field. Right. So I'm not, I'm not saying that Denzel Mims is going to be the next Randy Moss kind of thing, but I don't think he's a total bust completely. 
so i i mean i i've been keeping out you know uh an eye on his cards and you know the, the beauty part so, of so he's a guy so i kind of like think about this as there's a couple different types of fomo like right we have in-season fomo which is what happened to mike white or what happened last year when we saw marcus mariota come in for a week for mm -hmm. uh Derek carr and then we have off-season FOMO, like we saw with Sam Darnold, which um, an off-season FOMO, it wasn't as big, right? I mean, he signed with the Panthers, yeah. got out of the Jets, and there were still a lot of people that were like, nah, I don't think he's he's better just because he moved teams and he's going to be with uh, what presumably was going to be a better offensive coordinator, a better offensive system for him, and there was a little bit of, of demand spike for him, and we saw prices go up a little bit, but you could still get him for very cheap before the season. And then when the season started, he had those first three or four games where he looked really good, was rushing in touchdowns every game at a unbelievable clip, and his prices went through the roof at that point. That's when FOMO really set in for him. And so I think you could have got in, like you're talking about, it is possible to make money, after initial FOMO sets in, it's just uh, if you're trying to do it after in-season FOMO sets in, I feel like yeah. that's when it's very, very risky because that's also when the prices jump the most and Absolutely. it's the most volatile. I couldn't agree more. Like if you were to pick up on Sam Darnold after he was signed, you probably got in at a, at a, at a fairly decent time. Um, if you got in week two or week three, then you're probably going to uh, take a lot of that elevated um, uh, risk, you know, with, with the fact that now he's, he's not playing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, and I, I feel like we're, we're kind of in a way diving into the psychology of, of our prospective buyers on the other end of, of selling these cards for profit. And I'm wondering in your opinion, Sean, do you think that, these guys that are buying like Mike White's, for example, after that one week of him blowing out, um, is it is it purely being driven by impulse? Are they just impulsively buying based on the recency bias of one good game? Or do um, they really think that he's then he's going to keep going up? He's going to keep winning, keep playing like that. I'm, I'm really curious uh, uh, to kind of go behind, you know, their thought process and why they're paying those elevated prices and and not like comping or looking to see wow that card was just selling for thirty dollars now i'm buying it for a hundred well i mean it really comes down to almost like the same as with like buying into a break right or buying sorry not necessarily a break but like buying a uh, an expensive hobby box you're hoping to hit that lottery ticket well mm. they're hoping to hit that lottery ticket with mike white no the problem is that if 500 other people are bidding on the same card then it's going to drive the price up if you know if there's a lot of people getting in on that same idea that same fomo that's going to drive the price hard and that puts you even in a worse position you know um auctions are great when nobody cares about them when it's a super super high demand player you got to stay away from the auctions because they're just they're just people they're just gonna you know outbid you you know there's always yeah. somebody who can spend more money or is willing to spend more money on the card now the person that uh, bought that eight hundred dollar Mike White, maybe they maybe eight hundred dollars is you know couch change to them. You know what I mean? Like maybe maybe they have uh, uh, unlimited funds to spend on cards, and 
you know, that's okay, I guess, you know. Dude, that would be sweet if I found $800 between my couch cushions. <laughs> you'd be surprised, man, how much money people spend on stuff. You know, it's crazy. Like, uh, I, I've, I've explained and uh, I don't know if it's been a couple of our personal talks or in the videos, but um, I still play a little bit uh, some Android games that are just, you know, fun. They're strategy games, war strategy games kind of thing. But there's people that are, you know, dumping 30, 40, 60, 75,000 K into those accounts to play a video game. And you like you get it's not like, say, Fortnite, where you buy a skin and it gives you no tactical advantage. The more money you spend in these games, the more powerful you are. And, the mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sure a lot of these guys have big egos and they want to be the, the, the king shit on Turd Island kind of guy in, in these games. And, you know, they're willing to plop the money down, you know. There's people out there that just have ridiculous amounts of money that don't know what to do with it. And, you know, they spend them on $800 on Mike White cards, you know. Now, <laughs> grant, granted, that's a, that's a pretty premium Mike White card. Like, you're probably not going to get a better Mike White card than that. There's probably a few out there, but it's, you know, I, I would say that's probably one of the better Mike White cards. But still, you know, to so, me, like, yeah. it's just as just as as gutsy to list it for that much if it wasn't an auction you know i i, I don't know if it was I, that's my guess because i don't know how you buy a card for 25 dollars and and uh, list it for eight or nine hundred dollars did no, it I, say when when the guy bought it initially yeah it was in uh september he bought it in september and flipped it in november Insane, so he bought it for 25 man. bucks in in september and flipped it in november and i told you like i looked at that card in august it was just out of my budget. You know, I can't, if, if I'm throwing $20 in or $25 and I can't spend that on one speculation guy, backup quarterback, that's, you know, but if I had 15, 20 K in my account, you know, no problem. I, I would, I would have bought that card with the other ones. Cause you know, but comparative, you know, like, you know, that $25 is, is what your, your goal is. Like, that's what you want to buy that card for. Right. And then, you know, because those those National Treasures RPAs are what, you know, was it 10K for, you know, a Justin Herbert, 5K, whatever, like they're not cheap, yeah. right? So $25 for RPA is is pretty good price, even if it is Mike White, you know? Yeah, even if it is Mike White, that's a very uh, good price. And yeah. my thought is understanding that the FOMO is so much more sensitive around quarterbacks and the, the age the age restrictions that we see around skill position players we're going to talk about in a second that that drive fomo um is is not there with quarterbacks and i, I think it's a lot more driven by market size and uh, circumstantial evidence and merit maybe even just one specific week like we saw with mm -hmm. mike white on the new york jets that absolutely sent uh people drive them crazy to go buy his rookie cards mm -hmm. but when you and and understanding that quarterbacks drive the hobby and so when you look at an elite running back or wide receiver compared to an elite quarterback the elite quarterback same identical card is going to trade for 10 times more on average from uh from what i've seen mm -hmm. and so understanding that what are uh, some additional parameters that we need to be aware of around running backs and wide receivers because those guys we're using more of those guys in fantasy football mm -hmm. we focus on those guys a lot more because if we get those picks right in fantasy 
Those are going to help us uh, lead us to fantasy championships and win money on a weekly basis, more so than the quarterback. Uh, They also are the other half of the the big impressive highlights. But it seems to me that it's harder to pinpoint the next uh, running back or wide receiver or tight end or even defensive skill position player that is going to break out in rookie card values than Mm -hmm. is a quarterback. Maybe because there's some extra parameters. What's your thoughts on that, Sean? Well, I mean, too, like the, the other thing, too, and, and um, I think it was uh, Gary V that said that, that um, he believes the reason why basketball is more popular than football card-wise at the time it was anyway um, was because there's less players. Well, I, I kind of think that there's the same type of thing with the quarterbacks. There's one quarterback playing on the team there's multiple other positions playing at once. You know, like you don't sub your quarterback out like you sub your defensive lineman or your linebackers out. He stays on the field uh, every offensive play, except for maybe gadget plays that they have and stuff like that, right? So there's, you know, you could get a wide rec- – you could have four or five wide receivers catch a pass in a game. That's not unheard of. You know, uh, quarterbacks like to spread the ball around. Then you got other guys – uh, the t- uh, tight ends and things like that right so i think that that with so many options to invest in i think that that dilutes it a little bit um in respect to uh, i guess the the quarterbacks now the quarter the quarterbacks are obviously you know the most important part of the franchise they're they're you know without a we've seen it time and time again you don't have a core you know you don't have a certain level quarterback you're not going to do anything you know what i mean you need to have a workable quarterback to be, uh, you know, have any shot at a, at the title. I mean, we've seen the league change over the last few years and it's even more important than it was 10 years ago. You know, like, um, you know, when Baltimore won their championship in, in 2000, they had, you know, Trent Dilfer was their quarterback. You know, he's, he, he, he was good enough with a, you know, a, a decent run game and that defense, he was good enough, you know, but if they they have another quarterback, that's you know I, I don't know they make that that Super Bowl. Like obviously, if they have you know a Hall of Fame quarterback, that that's a better a better option there. But I mean, any other backup in the league, do they make that that Super Bowl? I, I'm not sure. I think you know. So I think that that one thing really separates the uh, the, the the prices even more than we would expect them because we know. <coughs> sorry there. Uh, we know that wide receivers, running backs, even offensive line, like every person on that field is important to that offense. They all have jobs to do. They all have to perform their job or the offense is going to stink and not be able to move the ball, right? So, and people like us that are pushing these skill players because we we know that they're just as important. They drive our fantasy teams. They, you know, um, I, I, would, I would venture to doubt that probably more, good running back and wide receiver picks in fantasy have won it for people than, than quarterbacks, right? Like I, you don't, you don't see a lot at all. Chris, you know, like uh, Kirk cousins won that, that for me that year, you you know, you get a lot of Chris McCaffrey won it or Diggs won it or, you know, like, and from what I've seen, maybe, maybe it's different in your circles. I mean, we come from different parts of the country and we have, you know, different fantasy circles and things like that, but, 
different to league formats too. Like this year, I, I ran a super flex league. So we're start a lot of teams. If they have the capability to do so, they're starting a uh, two quarterbacks on a weekly basis, which places mm-hmm. a lot more emphasis on drafting quarterbacks in the first and second round. I kind of did that intentional because it, it gives a little bit of better correlation to uh, the card football card market. Mm-hmm. But you know, surely those uh, the skill position players, these these bell cow running backs, these alpha wide receivers, these guys, um, we should be able to to kind of pinpoint um, the ones that are going to receive the the best FOMO, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I, I mean, it, you can for sure, absolutely. It's 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 you know, it's just an art form. You know, we're not gonna. You, you, we're we're not gonna you know, pick everyone right, but you know if if you're if you buy them ahead enough and you take a little bit of risk in the beginning, oftentimes it'll pay out. You know, oftentimes you'll get those those big flips. You know, like buying guy like that's why I've been I've switched over kind of to buying the guys that are on IR right now. You know, good players mm-hmm. that are on good teams that they're going to be the bell cow like J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers. I'm buying a ton of them. Because they're super cheap, nobody's going to make money off them right now. Very, like a lot of profit on, they're not going to be in high demand. They're not going to, you know, maybe some of the higher end, you know, um, higher end stuff will. But a lot of the other stuff, I'm able to get, you know, uh, prisms for, I, you know, a couple prism base prism for fifty cents of a top five running back. Like, come on, like that. That's yeah. a no brainer to me. You know, I know it's a base card, and I know, you know, but. Uh, I've, you know, I've picked up 30 or 40 of the base cards at, you know, 50, 75 cents under a dollar anyway. And that's to me, that's just dirt cheap. I just got to bide my time until they make their way back and still they start performing again. And then I I have no doubt that, you know, I'll be able to, to flip those. But because I'm getting in a good price, they don't even have to be that great to be able to, you know, like, a five five dollars for a base prism of a really good player is is not unquite. Like people pay ninety nine cents plus six dollars shipping or five dollars shipping for a base. So asking a five dollar uh, cart. And so if you're buying at fifty fifty cents seventy five cents and you believe in the player, then you know I'm I'm just going all in on them kind of thing. You know, and you talked about that in your last video with uh, Kittle and Trevon Diggs. You know, if it's a player that you believe in. And nobody's really cares about them right now. You got a chance to to get in. You just got to be right. That's all. You know what I mean? Like, you got to you got to be willing to take some risks and uh, realize that you're not going to be perfect. It's not going to be a hundred percent. We we all can't. We're not we're not uh, uh, fortune tellers. We 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 can't tell the future. But you know, the only way that you're ever going to get those big flips like that is if you take some risks when really early on on somebody. You know. Um, and I, I think, I think, uh, going the injury path is actually, um, probably better than, than rookies because we've already got some, um, we know what the player plays like that we know they're, you know, the only thing you have to worry about is, is, is the injury bad enough that they're not going to be able to come back to their original form, you know, mm. um, but like with guys like Cam Akers, like five eight weeks after he, he, uh, Tours, uh, I think it was ACL, whatever he tore, he was doing 70% uh, uh, gravity walk. So he's had 70% of his weight 
and he was already walking on his on his leg so you know like these with the medical technology and um the the, the way that teams approach it now these injuries aren't as bad as they were you know 10 15 years ago 20 years ago you know where like this this like some of these injuries would end guys careers so i'm not as worried about a, a guy not coming back and performing like they did prior to so and yeah i think i think the key uh common denominator there with those guys is they're young they're they're 22 23 mm-hmm. years old for running back their their career should at least last till 28 30 years old um mm-hmm. at a high level and we see with modern medicine, today's technology, I was talking to Steve on the live stream the other night about this, you know, how the fact that today's surgeries and uh, recoveries from ACL tears and stuff are not nearly as long. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of times these players come back just as strong as ever, sometimes stronger. And I think the common denominator there is those guys are young. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to take a couple examples of some young well, let's let's look at kind of like the age parameter. What I think is the age parameter. I want to get your opinion on this, Sean, for what um, we could see FOMO drive values of these skill position rookie cards up. We take a guy like Cooper Cup. Cooper mm-hmm. Cup has seen one of the biggest increases in his rookie card values of any skill position players this year, and he's a 2017 <coughs> rookie. So this is his fourth year in the league. And so he is now like probably 27, 28 years old. And um, he same team, but his team got a a new quarterback. And we didn't see a significant jump in his values once Matt Stafford signed with the Rams. I'm sure there was a small increase, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't an obvious, you know, noticeable increase um, that trickled all the way from his base cards all the way to his super rare cards. But. Once the performance started happening on the field each and every week, that got better and better. His values were just going up and up like crazy. Well, I think I think one of the things too that um, in the off season when they got Stafford, although he was going to improve the team, the team was still pretty pretty good to begin with. So I think had uh, the Rams been a worse team prior to Stafford getting there. I think that might have caused a little bit more of a a push in the off season, right? Like, if you think about it, how much demand was put on when people thought Aaron Rodgers was going to Denver or Russell Wilson was going to Denver? You know, like it it didn't get crazy as if they they broke out and had you know a record setting game. But there was some push on a few of those cards. Like I sold, uh, you know, and that was just a rumor. That wasn't even him coming to them. Imagine he got traded to them, right? Because a guy like Aaron Rodgers going to the Denver Broncos automatically lifts their expectations. So now you've got players that had Teddy Ridgewater or Drew Locke before. Now all of a sudden have Aaron Rodgers throwing them they're more likely to bring attention uh, because they're going to score more touchdowns. They're going to get more uh, proper uh, accurate throws thrown their way. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to have to, you know, their catch radius probably doesn't need to be as, as much as with Aaron Rodgers as it, as it would be say with Drew Locke or, you know, kind of thing. So 
you can see that rise in FOMO kind of situation where people want to, you know, buy like crazy because in those situations, but the player coming in has to deem to make that team that much more successful than they were. Right. Cause like, look at, look at how, how good, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is one of the, the, the best quarterbacks in the league, obviously. And look how much just the rumor of him going to a team made a push. Now it wasn't or anything crazy or nothing to write home about, but there was a there was a push on the cards, and I had quite a few sales, some Judy, some uh, Noah Fant uh, sales, you know things like that. But if he goes to the team, that just amplifies it even more, right? But uh, just to kind of go back, how the, the 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 difference between the skill positions and the quarterbacks, I think if it's the other way around, we don't necessarily see as much bump, right? Like if I, I guess maybe the perception is that a new res- wide receiver or a new running back are not going to make a quarterback as good as a wide receiver running back getting a new quarterback. Right. That's kind of like what it, it kind of stood out to me that it's, that was my kind of interpretation of it, that a team getting a, a hall of fame quarterback will get a bigger push for the other players if he's the quarterback's coming to the team, if you have a Hall of Fame quarterback and you're bringing in wide receivers, there's still a push. I, I, I didn't see as much a push as the other way around, right? When a quarterback's coming to the team rather than a new receiver or a new, um, right? Because you get the guys like Aaron Rodgers, like this, you know, you put an average or you no, know, an average or above average receiver in front of him and he's going to, make them look better than if you put that same receiver in front of Drew Locke, right? You know, I don't want to keep picking on Drew Locke, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the Denver Broncos are a perfect example that are desperate need of a quarterback because everything around them is stacked. Mm -hmm. You know? And they're they're not even playing that. Like, they're playing pretty good this year. They're They're not playing as bad as you would think that a quarterback or a team that needs a quarterback, you know, uh, would play you know to me anyway um but uh, over the last five years i've found so much parody in the nfl it's really hard to get a handle on some of the thing you know um i remember one year they uh somebody produced a clock and each team was represented on the circle of the face of the clock and the way it worked though the team in front of you you beat and the team behind you, you lost to. And they were able to go all the way around and not repeat a team and have the team in front of that, you know, that particular team. Would have, you beat them and the team behind you, you lost to or vice versa, whatever it was. Just to sh- And they were able to go all the way around the clock without repeating teams. So that just shows you that, you know, that, that whole any given Sunday thing, you know, really, really does, you know, take some, uh, take some bite there. You know, like when... You get two good teams like the Bengals beat the Ravens, but then lose to, you know, the Lions or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. That 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 stuff drives the NFL. Yeah, you know the and I think that I don't think it's like that in any other league. You know that that's why you don't have dynasties anymore. You don't have you know teams that are six seven time champions in a row anymore. You know because of that parity. Because a team can 
you know, any team can win on any given day. It just takes the right chemistry, the right situation, the right weather conditions. You know, it doesn't, you know, anything, you know, maybe the quarterback doesn't play well in, in cold weather and 99% of the games in warm weather he wins and he loses this one or something, you know. But that just doesn't necessarily warrant people flocking out to buy uh, those players rookie cards just because they had a any given Sunday type of scenario like exactly uh, like we saw Mike White um, and 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 we saw recently Gardner Minshew step in and lead the Eagles to a win a couple big touchdowns from mm-hmm. Dallas Goddard. The Minshew mania went uh, wild there for a second, but it didn't get anything crazy because it wasn't like okay, we're handing the reins over. And it, to and it also now. it wasn't it wasn't unexpected. He's played well before, you know. He, he's mm-hmm. not lighting up the league or anything. He wasn't really in any MVP conversations, but he wasn't the worst quarterback in the league when he was playing. So the expectation was that he wasn't going to stink up the show. Now he didn't necessarily have that. Oh, you know, that game that's making Philadelphia scream to, to have him start. You know what I mean? To me, yeah. anyway, I don't think, you know, they won, but I, I don't think that they, you know, um, that was anything to say to Philadelphia that they should bench Jalen Hurts for him. And I think that's why you saw a little bit of a push. So wide receiver in that kind of situation would have got no push whatsoever. And the quarterback, because they're elevated, gets a little bit of push. You know, but if next week they if Philadelphia had come out and say, "Okay, Gardner Minshew is going to start," you would have seen a huge push, right? If it, huge you push. know, you would you would have seen, um, you would have seen a bunch of uh, Minshew sales, even if he was starting um, because he was hurt. You know, the fact that he's getting on the field, you know, and and those are the things too we look in for fantasy, like. For daily fantasy, that's like the the biggest thing in the world is to find guys that are going to get opportunities that haven't had their price adjusted on the site, right? So there there is a possibility to to get that kind of situation during the season and not get caught up in the FOMO. You just got to be preemptive, right? Like you gotta you gotta follow, uh, you know, Andy. You gotta follow what he does, what he looks at to pick these players. You know, when we get the quest shark out. You got to use the quest shark to see, you know, to protect, use this, the statistics that we provide and things like that to help protect these players that are going to break out that haven't seen those big spikes in rookie cards yet. You can, you know, the, the thing with the tool is it lets you know that the talent's there. And then you can now say, okay, this is a talented player and his cards are down that, you know, we're, we're safe to, to invest in talented players that their, their market's down on them because we know talented players are going to are going to rise up again. If it's a guy that's that's iffy that's uh you know then you're just risking, you know. You could hit absolutely just, you know, guys pending $2000 on national treasure boxes or $10,000 or whatever the heck it is, they do hit big cards. But, you know, majority of people don't. So and and it's I think it's super important to remember or to take into consideration the age of the player, especially when talking about running backs and wide receivers and understanding the younger they are, the more unknown they are, the faster that their rookie card values can break out from a single performance. Um, I take uh, De'Ernest Johnson, for example, 
Uh, he stepped in for an injured Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt was out. He's like basically a bell cow in a Thursday night game. I don't remember exactly who they were playing. This was uh, probably about a month or, a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he wasn't taken with a lot of draft capital. He doesn't have a, a big college resume, anything mm-hmm. too impressive there. Um, but he had a great game, great game, balled out, uh, made some nice broken tackles. Um, and I saw the values of his rookie ticket autos go up 3x, you know, 3, 4x in a single night, um, plus, you know, roughly 100 different sales. So think of those primetime games if, yep. you know, well, that's younger, the thing too. Yeah. unknown like, players. Yep. You have, have a big game on primetime and you're going you're gonna to see demand go up on it. You know, and it's the the more unknown the player is, the more people are going to want to get on it to him because it's cheap, you know. And eventually, after those first group of player people that have you know started buying that player now, it doesn't get any cheap anymore. And then it gets you know it just keeps going up. You just keep running out of supply because everybody wants to get on that guy, and everybody you know, everybody you know that I've 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 looked at. Uh, uh, I started to look at the beginning of the year. Um, I probably should have paid a lot more attention to it, but um, I've been hit with a lot of injuries this year with my with my investments. So, but anyway, I, 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 next year I'm going to be keying a lot more of my purchases based on uh, primetime games because it you know unless they make it into a highlight in you know in in on nfl network or something like that and you're not a prime time game you're not going to have the eyes that you need to to really drive you know get people interested in in this player in this cart you know what i mean like and to make the highlights you need to play better than your teammates play right like you need to be the star of the game to make the highlights or you need to do you know you need to be the 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 guy that cost cost the game for your team or win it for your team kind of thing very, very good point. Uh, uh, last night's game is another good example. You have a relatively unknown player who bumped up in the depth chart because of an injured Adam Thielen. I'm talking mm-hmm. about KJ Osborne, 2020 rookie. Mm-hmm. He's pretty explosive. He's pretty athletic. He had a really nice touchdown grab for over 60 yards, but he was not the focal point of that offense. The focal point in the highlights is Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, and so KJ Osborne still not the focal point. Therefore, the demand spike was not seen over on these card buying and selling platforms. Um, and I think I think too that you know a lot of people, you know, there there are people that are getting smarter with the the FOMO. You know, sometimes you can't help yourself. Sometimes you just fall in love with a player and think, oh man, he's going to be the best player, and you just go, you know what I mean. But I think a lot, a lot of people are are um, picking up on the fact that they can't just go out and they got to be very conscious of what they're buying these cards. This is not 2020 anymore. This is not yeah. you could buy a card at any price and resell it at any price down the road. You know, like yeah, you've got to be super perfect... conscious of what you're paying for your cards. Super conscious of what you're paying because that's totally different than fantasy. As a KJ Osborne scenario, I picked him up off the waiver wire and started him, ended up getting 20 fantasy points. He was a phenomenal plug-in play for me as I'm down Antonio Brown and AJ Brown still. They really are hurting me in my wide receivers uh, Mm. um, 
roster slots this season, but I was able to pick KJ Osborne up off of the waiver wire for cheap and slot him right in. And he came through, man, put up a mm-hmm. ton of fantasy points for me uh, through mostly that one big play. But he's not a that that he's not a guy that I would necessarily go out and buy his rookie cards based on the current scenario and everything. I don't see a breakout path for him until he moves teams or God forbid, just mm-hmm. something happens to Justin Jefferson because you have Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson there and the, the and tight end's pretty involved in the receiving game, plus a powerhouse running back. And so it's there. It's a very difficult uh, teammate competition, you know, on on his team. So it's a very um, difficult possibility for KJ Osborne rookie card values to break out. But to see to uh, to me, for a guy like that, if I can, I, I, I'll just the, like the same kind of breakdown that I would look at that I took at for the the, the Bucks guys. Look at what their team scenario is. This guy going to be on another team? Um, what kind of, you know, uh, is he, is it, is he in the long term of, of Minnesota? You know, um, I know obviously Justin Jefferson's going to be their, their guy for, for a long time. And I'm sure Adam Thielen will be there as long as they can afford to keep him is, you know, kind of take a look at their salary, take a look at, um, the, the next year's free agent class and stuff like that. Like, I, I think like a guy, like if you invest, if you believe in his, analytics as an athlete now is kind of the time to get in and just kind of hope and wait that it works out for him. you know maybe he stays in minnesota and he's still the third wide receiver for the rest of his career and you know but if you get into his prices when they're rock bottom it almost doesn't really matter what he does you can at least sell them for the price that they are that you know what i mean like if, it, if he's not if you're buying his prism for a quarter it can't go much lower than that. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of way that I, I look at it too. Um, but you also got to gonna have to sit and wait and hope some things happen to him. And, you know, it's not just a matter of an athletic performance. The team has to buy into him. He has to find the right team if he leaves, you know, things like that. So there is definitely more risk with a guy like KJ Osborne where um, – his path to where he goes is not really clear. You know, to me, Keyshawn Vaughn and Tyler Johnson that I did the other week, uh, episode one, I think it was, or episode two, have a clear path to where they're going to get their opportunities to play. And with the athletic abilities that they have, I believe that they're going to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. And will I because I'm buying them now, they're, I'm going to be able to cash in at that point or you know be able to sell their their cards now i'm not buying their higher end cards like maybe you would target i'm buying the lower end stuff the base stuff but i think because of the price i can get it at and when i'm planning on selling i can package it together and and make money from it just the same way as buying a rookie contender or a national treasure for for 25 dollars and then flipping it you know or whatever the case may be I think that's the beautiful thing about cards because our process and strategy around the players that we pick is very similar. It's almost identical, right? And yeah. we take all these factors into consideration to think about who who the next player is going to be uh, FOMO'd about in the hobby and people are going to drive go out and buy their rookie cards. You're just your strategy and, and we'll talk I want to dive in deeper on mm-hmm. this topic in ne- in the next episode 
Um, and that is how, you know, your strategy of flipping more base cards and doing it by buying volume of these cards mm -hmm. for pennies on the dollar compared to my strategy of buying more rookie ticket autos and kind of yeah. looking at them as, uh, as price tiers and trying to get in at the bottom of that rookie mm -hmm. ticket auto price tier, just like you're trying to get in at the bottom of that that base prism yep. price tier. And I think it'll be interesting for us to to look at the analysis, um, the return on investments uh, ratios and like give a couple examples of of like price points and then how much you know, profit can be made and stuff. We'll have some fun with that one. Yeah. But um, before before we end this episode today, based on everything that we've talked about, are there any guys that are jumping out to you in your head uh, that you want to share with us on this episode about um, that you think FOMO can be driven up for these guys in the near future? Well, what, what, I mean, one guy that I've been targeting that I'm, I'm really hoping that the, the FOMO um, we'll hit, I'm getting in, uh, you know, fairly early and we'll have to see what the landscape of, of how the, the, right. Cause again, I'm, I'm in on the lower end stuff. I'm not buying the, the higher end stuff, uh, for him now. And that, that's when yeah, that's your, your guy from Tampa Bay and that's Kyle Trask, right? Mm. Like, um, I'm, I'm hoping like at, at one point I, um, when Aaron Rodgers was looking to leave green Bay. Uh, I sold a Jordan Love base rated rookie Don Russ for twelve bucks. So, if my Kyle Trasks can reach that, that's going to make me a huge amount of money because I'm buying them now. I'm buying them for ninety cents. I'm buying them for a dollar twenty-five. You know, um, I'm buying the press proof red, the color match press proofs red at you know four dollars, three dollars. You know, um, now. Kyle Trask is still going to have to be a good player. He's still going to have to start. But for me, on a um, for my budget flipping, that's really the only way that I can get into the quarterbacks is get them before they play, is get them the backup quarterbacks. That's really my my target market. Just because most quarterbacks uh, already have that inherent price, you know, uh, of being a quarterback built in, you know, like so. I, you know, like I gotta, I gotta, and I, I, I believe in, uh, in Kyle Trask. I, um, so much so that I've, I've devoted quite a bit of my limited budget towards purchasing his cards. Um, yeah. You know what I'll say about what I'm seeing about Kyle Trask on player profiler, um, from university of Florida, which I'm actually a fan of, uh, growing up since, uh, since I was a kid and, his college QBR, 88.5, that's 92nd percentile. His college yards per attempt is 90th percentile at 9.8. Um, he's not he's not fast at all, so he does need a, like a good O-line. He ran a 5.08 on his pro day. 6'5", yeah. though, 236, so he's definitely a big dude. Yep. Big hands. And look, and, I mean, look who said the sit behind you know add all that in add all that that talent in you know uh, college success the fact he was in a big program you know gators are a big program and he's sitting behind what you know i i, I guess i could say the greatest quarterback to play and maybe arguably for some people but he gets to sit and learn behind him and more than likely when he takes over he's going to inherit a good team so in my mind, he's just in the best situation 
that any of these quarterbacks, he's not being rushed to play. He's got excellent teachers. They they spent a second round draft pick on him, so it's not like they they expected you know him to be a fourth or fifth round developmental quarterback. They had they spent some draft capital on him, you know. So to me, to be able to see the prices that some of these you know uh, Justin Herberts and Burroughs uh, um, uh, base rated rookies are going to you know like. I don't need his rookie to hit $100. If it does, that's awesome. But it's probably never going to hit that because of the print runs. You know, um, But because I'm buying it so cheap, if it hits that $10, that $12 mark, I'm making a ton of money because I'm able to buy them in volume. And if he's that popular and if he's that good of a quarterback, people are going to want to buy him. You know, People always want to buy Pat Mahomes cards, right? Um, yeah, not, not I think this is a, yeah, I think this is a great play, man, especially because Tom Brady uh, doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon, and so he's going to learn from the best. So yeah. uh, the hype should be there, man. The hype really should be there when this guy does get a chance one day, and I don't think there's going to be a ton of demand once the prism, uh, once contenders, all that kind of stuff comes out here for 2021. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm like, I'm, this is the, the the this is going to be the point. I've said this as kind of like a, a joking thing. This is either going to put my kids through college, or it's going to be my video in three years where I can show my room of Kyle Trask cards to off, and you know everybody can laugh at me on YouTube. Kind <laughs> of, you know what I mean? Like that's the point I'm kind of looking. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to invest in a lot of the guys. Like I can't buy Mac Jones now, you know. Um, by time his cards hit the market where I could buy them, they were already too expensive for me. Um, not too expensive for me, but more than I wanted to pay for that, you know. So he fit right in my um, my wheelhouse, my budget. He, um, you know, I'm even going to the point because of the fact that he played at a, a popular college team, and I believe he will be a good quarterback. I'm even buying some of his college cards, mm. right? And, graph, yeah. And the thing is, like you you had talked about it in 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 your video there about the Trevon Diggs. You got the the three dollar and fifty card that you were looking at that was uh, you know a non off brand or whatever kind of thing, and you have the twenty five dollar contenders, right? I I look at it from a perspective of yeah, that's only three fifty, but if I buy it for twenty five cents and I buy a hundred of them, then I make a whole bunch of money. You know what I mean? That's the kind of uh, I'm going definitely quality or uh, quantity over quality. It, it, and that's just what fits with my budget. That's what fits with my risk level. That's what uh, uh, my tolerance is like. I just listed my um, my biggest card purchase. I actually put it for sale now and I'm checking it every day. Right? Like I'm, I'm looking to see if it's because it was such a big investment for me. It's it's causing a little bit of stress. It's causing a little, you know what I mean? Like, um, and it's only a hundred dollar card. You know, it was only like, you know, there's, I've, I've seen in our discord numerous times, people spell well, well over a hundred dollar card, you know? Um, but that's a yep. huge card for me. And that's the one and only two, two times that I've gone in outside of my card budget to buy something. And that was, well, that, you know, yeah. that star Wars one one that I, that I bought. 
I so. think this makes this play here on Kyle Trask makes perfect sense. Um, uh, the process behind it, I think, is isn't great, and you're going to be on the right side of it whenever he does uh, break out in rookie card values. Uh, so this is super important to get in early and quarterback drive in the market. And I actually I noticed on here that his best comparable player is Dwayne Haskins. Um, and and that's I think just that, because of the physical movement. I think like yeah, the, the six three two thirty one. Yeah. You know, slow, but uh, you know, big bodied wide receiver, a strong arm, and I I honestly think that looking at the college QBR, college QBR is very similar. Dwayne Haskins eighty six point three eighty ninth percentile yards per attempt nine point one seventy ninth percentile. His best comparable, Jameis Winston, and. Uh, I think that Dwayne Haskins is actually a, a, a potential flip opportunity right now. And that, that that's going to be my play for the day because in terms of, of quarterbacks, this guy's still really young and still hasn't had a ton of opportunity. I don't think that, you know, Ben, Big Ben is going to be around next year. Pittsburgh Steelers are one of those teams that are looking to get a new quarterback. And I think mm-hmm. that we could potentially see them – test out Haskins before the year is out to see what they have in him. Uh, I, I, I was, I'm not sure if it was you that mentioned it or um, I read, I did see it in, in an article somewhere, but it was, um, I think it was Dwayne Haskins was said that Pittsburgh was the first team to give him like a defensive scout or something like that. It was like the first time, like I, I, I've, I've picked up quite a few Dwayne Haskins again, not the high end stuff, but um, I I believe he had a, a, a equal a shot to to take that that quarterback over in Pittsburgh with Mason Rudolph. They keep playing Mason Rudolph, but he's also been with the team a lot longer. Is probably more familiar with the um, uh, the playbook. Yeah, and, and they've they've seen what they've had in Mason Rudolph. You know, he's been server serviceable at best, but he's not been able to get the job done or win yeah. any type of big games. And so they know what they've got in Mason Rudolph. They don't know what they have in Dwayne Haskins in a real game live scenario. And I think they very well could test him out before they uh, before they go out and make their move in the offseason, whether it's through the draft or whether it's through trade acquisition. I think it's smart of them to test out Dwayne Haskins. And from that reason alone, we could see a spike just based on the values that I'm seeing on Dwayne Haskins. They're so low right now. Mm. I mean, he is a quarterback, and his values are as low as um, I was just talking about Noah Fant, like a tight end. That's like his cards, rookie ticket autos, are trading around the same as a skill position player that's also kind of like a sleeper. Mm. And, uh, you know, Kyler Murray's rookie ticket auto, for example, from 2019, is over $1,000 raw. and no, I'm not expecting Dwayne Haskins to get anywhere near that level. I'm not it doesn't need to be though, right? Like it, yeah, it makes exactly. 150 bucks and you triple your money. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, exactly. So um, I think that that's going to be my play for the day. And that's kind of like, um, I hope you guys got a lot of value in terms of, of what to think about, what to consider, the, the factors that drive FOMO, the factors that you should be aware of and thinking about when uh, going through your process of picking which player to invest in to potentially flip, because it could very well happen. It could happen as early as next week. They decide they, they want to test out uh, mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins. Yep. They could, you know, like they're, they're edging on that playoff 
right? Like I'm not sure if they're mathematically eliminated, but they're they're getting to that point where they lose too many more games and they're going to be out of the playoffs. Well, that that's a perfect time. You know, let's not let Ben hang out to dry there for the last couple. You know, like I, I honestly think that if he's done in Pittsburgh, he's done, period. Like if he can't play in Pittsburgh, I don't think he's miraculously going to go play somewhere else and be great. So I think that if he leaves Pittsburgh, whether he goes to another team or not, he's done. Like, And, you know, I was kind of, uh, you know, I did buy some Mason Rudolph and I did buy some Dwayne Haskins because I thought that was going to be this year. I mean, he's, he's, you know, been a little, little, you know, old big Ben for a few situations there, but man, he's, he's like a, like a cement boots on his legs and, you know, <laughs> he's, he's like almost like some of his throws look like he just put everything he had into the throw just to get it far enough to, to, to get it close enough to the receiver. Like it, maybe it was yeah. just me, but it just looked like he put like, you know, he was like something that was just easy for him, you know, a couple of years ago, a little flip of the wrist. He's now really winding back to, to gun it for them, you know? So I, I kind of, oh, yeah. I figured he was going to be a little bit injured this year, roughed up a little bit. So I, I tried to, you know, being in the backup quarterback market uh, because they're usually cheap. You know, I picked up a few Haskins and a few Mason rule, but they, you know, I spent no more than $10 and bought, you know, four or five cards. So it wasn't really a big thing. It was just, you know, a, a little, a little flip here and there. And, you know, it can't all be home runs, right? You gotta, you gotta hit some singles. You gotta, you gotta hit some doubles and some triples. And then, you know, the, the occasional home run is, is awesome. makes your day kind of thing, but. <laughs> that's it man and um guys i'm looking forward to next week i can't wait to dig in with sean on the analysis and look at the differences of investing in flipping base cards and volume versus more rare cards at higher price tiers and the two different avenues we're going to look at some in-depth analysis some numbers and we're going to comp those strategies against each other so stay tuned guys i hope you really enjoyed this episode you got a couple singles and doubles potentially a home run that 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 we gave you today with the process so yep. until next time peace take care everyone